0: from Hamilton Place Strategies in Washington, D.C. This is the HPS Insights Podcast. Welcome to Distilled D.C., a miniseries from Hamilton Place Strategies, HPS Insights, focused on how communicators distill complexity. I'm your host, Andrea Christensen, a Managing Director at HPS. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Raina Farrell. Raina is chief of staff for public affairs at the Business Roundtable, a trade association whose members include the CEOs of major US companies. Raina has been with the Business Roundtable for more than six years, serving in multiple communications roles. Previously, she was a legislative aide for the lobbying firm Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas, and was a staffer for Rep. Cedric Richmond, who is now a senior advisor to President Biden. Raina, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Andrea. Um, this podcast is such a great idea, so kudos to you and the whole team at HPS. Um, I listened to your conversation with Sarah earlier this week, um, you know, from HP to a wine club in Italy. It was fascinating. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to join you today, and thanks for having great. me.
0: Yeah, no, we're really happy to, to have you and, and hear your point of view and perspective. I mean, not all of us can go start a wine club in Italy, um, <laughs> but we can dream, right?
1: We sure can.
0: So you've been at the Business Roundtable for more than six years now. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about your role there and how it's evolved?
1: Yeah. So you mentioned it in the intro, uh, Andrea, during those six years, my my role has certainly changed. Um, I've done a little bit of everything. I'd say my current job as chief of staff, my role is to set the overall strategy for the organization, both internal and external communications. And then in overseeing the day-to-day operations for the public affairs team, I then help put people into positions to execute on the strategy. So in the simplest terms, it's develop the strategy and then manage the team on execution.
0: Okay. And you've been promoted multiple times. So you mentioned you've had a lot of different roles there. Um, can you talk about your progression at the BRT and and any recommendations that you have for others on how they can think about growing their role within an next within their organization?
1: Yeah, definitely. And and thank you for for raising that. I I do feel really fortunate that the Roundtable has valued my contributions over the years and and rewarded that with more and more work. (laughs) Um, My experience has been interesting in that I've been at the same organization for six years but I've worked for many different leaders. So during my time there, the Roundtable has had four different chairmen starting with Randall Stevenson of AT&T, Doug Oberhelman, Caterpillar, Jamie Dimon with J.P. Morgan Chase, and now Doug McMillan with Walmart. At the same time, we've also had internal changes. Um, you know, we, I previously worked under Governor Engler, and then when he retired, we brought on um, Joshua Bolton. So, and all leaders manage differently, right? Different personalities, different goals, and ways to optimize output. So I've had exposure to many different ideas, and I think I've been adaptable. So it's important to not be so rooted in an approach or a way of doing something that you can't grow and change or adapt. And I think as you know, change can be challenging and uncomfortable, but it also provides new opportunities. Um, specifically, opportunity to take on more work. and I raised my hand for everything. If there was extra work to do, I volunteered for it. So I think that would be my advice if if you're looking to grow within an organization, you know first, be great at the job you're in do it well. And then two, take advantage of new opportunities. So ask yourself, can you take this on from a bandwidth capability set? And if so, then don't be afraid to raise your hand for more work. Um, I think it's the old saying, you have to do the job before you have the job, um, which has certainly been true in my experience.
0: That's really great advice, particularly the piece about adaptability and just you've got to be flexible. A lot of times I say that communicators have to be chameleons um you know we have to meet people where they are um and adapt to their wants and needs and we can still have points of view and and perspective and bring them along on the path that we think is correct as a communications expert but we also have to build trust with those people so i think that's a really important point and leads me to my next question because in terms of adaptability i mean the business roundtable is involved in a ton of different legislative issues, whether it's tax, whether it's trade, education, everything. And so you have to know a lot about a lot of things um, on the public affairs side. But I'm curious, looking back across your time, is there something that stands out as the most exciting issue that you've had the opportunity to work on?
1: Yeah, well, as you said it, Andrea, a lot of a lot of legislative issues were were engaged in. Really, there's almost no policy issue that the roundtable doesn't touch. Um, so the easy thing would maybe be to say trade promotion authority TPA, which Andrea we worked so closely on, which feels like so many years ago, um, or the tax cuts and jobs act, um, because those were so consuming and they were massive campaigns. And ultimately, you know, favorable outcomes for both. Um, but what I've been most excited about, and what I wanted to talk about with you, is is the updated statement on the purpose of a corporation. Um, which, for if people are listening that aren't familiar with that, it was an updated statement. The Business Roundtable and our CEOs said that the role of a corporation society is to serve all of their stakeholders, which includes employees, customers, suppliers, communities, and shareholders. Um, I think since then, it's, it's really taken on this idea of stakeholder capitalism. But that that was a really exciting issue, because during the process, it became clear to me that we were creating a legacy of sorts of what business can be and should be in society. So we did that in August of 2019. And you follow that announcement with 2020, which was, you know, arguably one of the most challenging years in history with multiple crises, health, economic, race. And as awful as it was, it was also in some ways gratifying to have a year where those principles were put into practice in a very real way. So from the pandemic to, you know, CEOs and prioritizing the health and safety of their employees and customers to then the nation's reckoning with race and, and all the ways they step forward to advance racial equity and justice. And we were able to say, you know, this is what we meant by that statement. And that was that was really, you know, Um, an exciting topic to work on.
0: Yeah, I mean, lots of opportunities to follow through on it in 2020, (laughs) that is for sure. Um, Would you say that, that 2020 and kind of the position of CEOs and businesses and stakeholder capitalism in the statement, would you say that's been maybe the biggest challenge you've faced at BRT or would you identify another
1: one? No. So I I think that's absolutely right, Andrea. You know, it was the most exciting project, but it was also my most challenging. Um, And and a core part of that challenge was just the pushback we received on purpose of a corporation from the left and from the right. I mean, we received some praise when we made the announcement, but also a, a great deal of criticism. And as a communicator, that was that was frustrating because it felt like what we were saying and what we were doing didn't seem that radical to us. You know, in many ways it it's how the CEOs had been already running their companies for a really long time. And the the pushback and the mischaracterization and 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 how the statement in some ways was just really misunderstood was challenging. Um but I think, you know, in dealing with that, we we dealt with it probably in a way that applies to to all communicators that deal with difficult issues and we confronted it by doing the work. So demonstrating every day that we meant what we said and we knew actions you know, speak louder than words and it's been a real exercise in doing exactly what we committed to doing and making sure that the key audiences are aware of all of that good work. So when JP Morgan's making investments in Detroit that we're making the connection between that action and how that applies to purpose of a corporation. Um, so it's been a, an educational effort as well, but there has been opportunity with, unfortunately, the, the challenges we've recently faced.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious about how you guys are thinking ahead on that. I mean, looking at 2021, there's a lot of expectations for a strong economic rebound. President Biden said last night that we should all be able to get together on July 4th. And there's a lot of hope um, going into 2021 and beyond. And so just kind of thinking about how is the Business Roundtable and your members um, thinking about continuing this commitment to stakeholder capitalism kind of in a, in a new post-COVID era?
1: Yeah, well, you know, not being out of the woods yet on COVID, I think we see the the, the stakeholder capitalism playing out and, and everything we're doing right now in the vaccination effort. Right. So Business Roundtable recently launched a campaign, Move the Needle, um, which is, you know, in the most literal sense, what companies are doing to move the needle. And that's everything from developing the vaccine to distributing the vaccine to now administering the vaccine. And we have members who do all three Um, and then figuratively moving the needle, making process to um, help end the pandemic, and whether that's continuing to provide masks to employees um, or just continuing to educate and talk about safety measures. So I think, again, that, that's a good example too, as we're starting to transition and see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, that the stakeholder capitalism and this purpose of the corporations continues to play out and be front and center for our members. Additionally, talking about the economy specifically, and as we start to rebuild and invest, our our CEOs have been really, you know, really focused on small businesses who have been hit the hardest from the pandemic. So looking at policies moving forward, they're gonna help them get back on their feet and and help hire workers um, and open their doors and welcome customers back in. So they're they're really all in on, on helping small businesses as well.
0: Awesome, that's great. All right, well, we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, Raina will share her advice for other communicators. HPS affiliate Flag Media Analytics is a next-generation media monitoring firm designed to shorten the decision-making process for public affairs professionals. Our expert analysts will work with your team to ensure only the most relevant content reaches their inbox and provide custom metrics solutions for the evolving news cycle. To learn more about how Flag can get you ahead of the cycle, visit FlagMediaAnalytics.com. We're back on Distilled DC, a mini series from HPS Insights on communicating complexity. I'm here with Raina Farrell, and we're about to get her advice to new and seasoned communicators looking to excel in their careers. Raina, working at a trade association, you have internal audiences in your membership as well as external audience, media, legislators, other stakeholders. Can you talk a little bit about how you balance these two audiences as a part of your role in, in strategic planning?
1: Yeah, so this is a great question, Andrea, and I think something every communicator can relate to. Um, you know, at BRT, our CEOs drive the agenda. So you have 208 of America's leading CEOs with very diverse agendas. They represent different sectors whose business needs, employee needs, customer needs, they're all different. And the issues that BRT weighs in on and the policy positions that we take are where those more than 200 CEOs find consensus. And if they're finding consensus, then it's probably good policy, not just for business, but for Americans more generally, their workforce, customers, communities, everyone that has a stake in the company. So when BRT speaks externally, we're speaking with a united voice and that makes communicating to our external audiences easier because whether it's media or the White House, I can be confident that our positions are good for many stakeholders. So internally, we find consensus and alignment on issues and then externally communicate that with consistent messaging. Um, I think consistency is definitely key in both instances and across all audiences.
0: Yeah, I can imagine getting internal consensus with 200 employees <laughs> can be a challenge from time to time.
1: Yeah, just a little bit.
0: Um, all right, so I wanna think about listeners who are earlier in their career just getting started. Um, and one question I wanted to ask you is, What is one thing you wish you had known when you started your career that you think others should know?
1: Well, I appreciate the question, Andrea, um, but I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out so (laughs) to take the advice of a grain of salt. But um, I'd say try to find your voice early on and don't be afraid or ashamed to use it. So ask the questions, challenge convention, know that your perspective is unique and that's a strength for any organization. Um, It took me a long time to realize that growing up in rural Pennsylvania where I had 19 classmates wasn't a weakness. It was just a different experience. They gave me a different point of view. So I'd say to, to find your voice. And the last part of that, my husband has heard me say this before and kind of rolls his eyes and laughs in the background, <laughs> um, but know that it's, it's okay to disagree, but don't be disagreeable.
0: I think that's great advice. And, you know, I think it is really important to find your voice and, and to, to know you don't have to say everything all the time. You don't always have to be the smartest person in the room. But when I first started at HPS and I was going into my very first pitch ever, I'd never done a pitch before. And one of the partners um, after the pitch was like, I'm really glad you said something in there, you know, because if you don't say something, you know, they, they don't really know if you've got anything to say. And I was like, thanks for telling me after the pitch. <laughs> um, but it's true. I mean, just find your voice and say something that you can feel confident in and, and feel like you can add value and insight, but you don't have to, you don't have to speak a lot. You just have to, you know, say one or two things. um, And I think that that can help find your voice by understanding those guardrails that you don't have to be, you know, the most loquacious person in the room.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Because Andrea, I mean, as a communicator, we know that these these are complex issues. Um, and, you know, and we're often brainstorming as a group and know that your voice and your perspective is different. And, and that should be raised as, you know, we're we're trying to think how messaging will resonate with different audiences. And if you have a different point of view, I think that should be shared. But you're exactly right. Like, know when it's appropriate to really listen and digest and internalize. And then when it makes sense to to really speak up because you have something, you know, that's people need to hear it.
0: Yes. And, <laughs> and a lot of these things that I think we've learned have come from mentors of different stripes um, at different stages of our career. So I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about the mentors you've had in your career, um, whether they've been kind of naturally occurring or you've sought them out and how you think others should think about mentorship.
1: Yeah, um, so I have been very fortunate to have great mentors. Um, I've said, you know, I think my career has been a mix of hard work and luck. Um, and I think the luck is that I've come across people in my career who have really wanted me to succeed. Um, so it's the it's the Michelle Obama line, right? You walk through an open door, you hold it open for the person behind you. And I feel like I've experienced that and will in my lifetime always pay it forward. Um, You know, building the relationships is really important. And if I could give you know recommendation, I would say have as many conversations as you can. Send the email, reach out, go to coffee. Um, One thing that a former boss said to me once: I I was seeing that he was getting all these requests from interns and others to meet and have coffee. And I said, "How do you do your job when you're you know mentoring all these people?" He said, "You know, you never know. Never say no to an intern or, or someone." Because it's a it's a funny world. And one day you could be working for them. And that always stuck with me. You know, don't assume because you might be less senior, that making a request is is putting them out or inconvenient. Um, Because I think it's mutually beneficial to grow and build networks. Um, I think it's the saying, you know, your skill set is as deep as your network. So be confident, reach out to people you want to get to know and learn from
0: that is really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, um, wanted to ask a little bit about what you view as your must reads of the day. Um, and they can be political, but can also be, I don't know, something fun. (laughs)
1: Um, well, I wake up every morning to a long list of Google alerts that come in on (laughs) BRD or flag alerts. Um, and so I really start there, but then I, I start every morning with with Axios. I love Mike Allen's AM newsletter, Playbook and Punchbowl. I really like what Jake and Anna are doing over there. Um, so that's, that's where I kick off every morning.
0: Yes, it can be hard to, um,
1: to be committed, but
0: I do feel like there's a couple where I'm like, okay, I probably read this one 70% of the time and that's really good.
1: Absolutely. And I do like to with Playbook and Punchbowl both that they have the podcast version as well, which just, you know, it's a new mom working from home balancing a lot. It's nice to be able to, to listen to the updates too.
0: Well, yes. And speaking of you being a new mom, um, with your baby boy about to turn one, um, I I'd be curious your experience, um, you know, being a COVID mom and being back in the workforce. I mean, I think one thing that's really stood out in the pandemic is this surge of women leaving the workforce because they have to care for their children. And so, I'd just be curious what your experience has been. How has being a mom changed your perspective on life? Um, and and what do you think is most important for companies um, and employers to think about in supporting new moms?
1: So it's a great question. Yeah, great question, Andrea. And I think you have done an excellent job interviewing me for this podcast, but you are also a new mom um, with a beautiful baby girl. So I, you know, and a seasoned communicator. So I am interested in in your perspective on that first.
0: (laughs) I mean, daycare has been helpful. Um, I certainly feel for parents who haven't had any access to daycare or our kids are school-aged and they've been homeschooling their kids while trying to um, work and so I, I certainly um, I certainly feel that but I'd say that one thing when I came back from maternity leave was I realized that I could actually produce the same level of work in a more efficient time frame um, and it was because I had these forcing mechanisms on my time that I never had before. And so I was pretty surprised at that, but then also just you, it really does help you realize what's important. Um, you know, cause my daughter uh, was diagnosed with hip dysplasia. And so, we've had to go through this whole casting process and it's just a lot. And I've just been so grateful for the support of um, my colleagues and and my work and and obviously family and friends um, and what's been a really weird time, but asking for help and like, I think talking about the realities of of being a parent um, have all been really good. And I think the pandemic has maybe even created an opportunity to talk about parenting and work and the balance in a new way that hopefully is positive in the long term.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and I'm hopeful too. I think building on what you said, you know, being a new mom in this environment um, has made me really appreciate the value of time, you know, professionally and time with family. And I've been trying to work smarter, not harder um, with varying degrees of success mm-hmm. Um one thing I, I saw on Twitter the other day that just made me laugh, you might remember, but like four years ago, there was, I think, a BBC interview um, where the, the the gentleman was doing the interview from home. And in the background, the kids rush in and the wife rush in. She's trying to pull the kids back while he's on live oh, TV. Man. And I'm like, four years later, that is all of us. We are all that, that person now um, with, with the background and, and family dogs and everything. So I think with that in mind, Andrea, you know, people just being more mindful of, of the flexibility that's needed when you're juggling and balancing a lot. Um, I think, I think that we're headed in the right direction there.
0: Yeah. And I think it almost gives more humanity to people too, <laughs> especially when we're on zoom all the time and we don't have those, you know, physical interactions with people. I think it's helpful to, you know, be reminded that, you know, we're all dealing with, our own challenges. Um, some are huge blessings um, <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> but others aren't. So,
1: yeah, I agree. We all deserve a little bit of grace during this, this this challenging season.
0: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Raina. and to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Still DC, a mini series from HPS Insights. You can find out more about Hamilton Place Strategies' work in our podcast at hamiltonplacestrategies.com or by following us on Twitter at HPS Insights. I'm your host, Andrea Christensen. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the HPS Insights podcast produced by Hamilton Place Strategies. For the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at HPS Insights and follow us on the web at hamiltonplacestrategies.com.